If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16. Uh, We're going to have fun today as we uh, look at how to take hold of daily peace. Now, while you're turning there or getting there on your digital device, a couple of things. As a church, we are committing ourselves to pray for one thing for one minute at one o'clock. We pray for one thing at one minute, uh, for one minute at one o'clock. For the last several weeks and months, we've been praying about, first, God, show me who my one is. The one being that person that God has put in our sphere of influence who we believe God would have us help them be drawn near to God. So that's the one. And uh, many of you have identified, hundreds of you have identified who that one is in your life. And, and so we prayed, God, show me who my one is. In the, over the last several weeks, we've been praying, God, will you uh, help me invest in my one? Uh, last week, we prayed, Lord, uh, help me bless my one or show me how to bless my one. So uh, over the last several weeks, we've been praying, God, help us as a church know how to bless the ones in our life. Uh, today, I, I want to challenge you to join me and, and hundreds of others of, of our church family at all locations praying for this one thing. Lord, uh, show me how to invite my one to join us for Easter worship. Uh, Easter is happening uh, this, uh, this year uh, in, uh, in a couple of weeks. It's coming up. And we want to do all that we can uh, to help our ones have an invitation there. Uh, One of the things that you can do is you can take one of the invite cards. We have invite cards throughout uh, all of our locations. uh, And you pick up those invite cards and you go to your one. And maybe your ones are your offices. You go to your office and you invite everybody in your office or your school. Go up and down and stick them in all the lockers. And if you get in trouble, tell them to call me. Um, it'll be okay. Uh, you, uh, maybe, maybe it's going across the cul-de-sac. This is my one. My one is across the cul-de-sac. So I need to go across the cul-de-sac with a card and invite them to join me for Easter. Whatever it is uh, that it takes, ask God. God, show me how to invite my one uh, to join us for Easter weekend. And uh, in that same vein, I want to encourage you, there are uh, uh, not only opportunities for you to be a part of Easter worship gatherings uh, at all our locations, uh, Saturday and Sunday, as well as Friday, Good Friday, but there are also opportunities for you to serve. And we're going to need people serving uh, in a welcome capacity. We're going to need people serving in a, in a helping capacity. One key uh, part of uh, Easter is providing help and ministry in our preschool area. And, uh, and some of you can come on a Saturday night and worship uh, at either location and then uh, serve in our preschool uh, ministry uh, during worship on a Sunday morning or, uh, or, or find one of the uh, worship gathering opportunities. Maybe this is the week. Uh, that you go and worship at, uh, the, at, at a different location than what you normally worship at uh, and then come back to uh, your home location and serve in preschool. Whatever it takes, let's do all that we can 
uh, to be a blessing to those who join us Easter weekend. So if you're willing to serve in our, uh, in our preschool ministry at one of the hours during worship on Sunday morning at either location, find Jan Frost and uh, let her know that you are available. In ramping up for Easter, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt at all locations. Uh, and that Easter egg hunt will happen right after uh, our worship gathering, our, uh, our last worship gath- gathering at the Kimsville location and our worship gathering at Volvo location. Uh, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt. And we need your help uh, to, uh, uh, to control or at least contain the chaos that will be an Easter egg hunt. It's going to be great watching hundreds of children uh, from our communities as well as from our community of faith uh, joining in an Easter egg hunt. Please, it's going to be great. You want to be a part of that. Uh, so uh, make uh, take every opportunity, advantage of every opportunity to sign up to help next week uh, for the Easter egg hunt. And uh, you can go to a guest information desk um, or next steps desk and find out how uh, to uh, sign up and be a part of next week's Easter egg hunt. It's going to be great. So you can join me. I'm going to be out there. I'm not going to be chasing for Easter eggs. I'm literally going to be helping children find the Easter eggs. That may be a distinction without a difference. I'm not sure, but uh, anyway, uh, well, today we continue this journey for peace. And, and remember, peace, by definition, by biblical definition, peace is health and wholeness in life. So, so the question is not how do we escape our conflict, now, because we're going to have conflict. The question is how do we have peace? How do we have wholeness and health in the face of our conflict? And that's literally what Jesus touches on today in John chapter 14. Uh, I don't know about you, but much of life is like this. Now, this is a black cherry carbonated soda. And uh, you know what happens when you take a carbonated drink in a can like this and you shake it up and you shake it and shake it and shake it and you shake it and you shake it and you shake it. You keep shaking it. And, and you know what happens is this thing, uh, all the pressure begins to build and, and it, it wants to get out. I mean, it wants to, it wants to be released from its bondage in this container. And, and all I have to do to release it, all I have to do is, now nah, I wouldn't. I was really hoping, I, I was really hoping that by the end uh, of today uh, that I wouldn't need to pop the top, that it would just explode on its own because I've been shaking this thing for three hours. Uh, but you know, all the pressure inside wants relief and wants release. And the truth is, that's the way life is for us. Some of you are here and you are ready to explode because of the troubles that you're facing. Every day you're facing struggles and difficulties that are, are just adding to the pressures and the stressors of your life. And you feel like if you don't get some relief or release, you're going to explode. You notice I'm pointing this outward. Because many times when you see people treat others with contempt or disrespect or just berating them, it's not because of anything 
that that person has done to the other. It's because this person is just so filled with stress over the troubles they're facing, they've got to spew on somebody. And they just happen to choose you. You see, the reality is we all have troubles. And and those troubles come to to us in different forms. I'm not suggesting that every trouble uh, is equal. There are some troubles that you're facing that are so enormous. I mean, life and death troubles. Physical, mental, emotional, relational troubles. And and, and I, I'm not suggesting every daily trouble is equal to every other daily trouble. But I am suggesting that if you're tasting a daily trouble, that it is very important to you. And it is very painful to you. And the good news is that Jesus today gives us counsel on how to deal with the troubles that are trying to trouble us. In John chapter 14... 15, 16, 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they are troubled. They're troubled because Jesus has already told them that he is going away, that he is going to be killed. And and he spent uh, uh, one of the great celebration moments in, in, in his disciples and his life, the Passover meal, describing not the celebration but the death that was awaiting him, Jesus. And they were concerned, so much so that their hearts were quivering and quaking at the face of of the trouble that was awaiting them. And that trouble wasn't distant. It was just a few hours away. So in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Trust me. Later in in, in verse 27, one of our primary passages this morning, in in John 14, 27, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So here is the mandate from Jesus to his disciples who are being shaken by circumstance that they can't control, that they can't contain, that they can't fix, that they can't turn around. They're getting ready to see Jesus killed. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Have you ever faced circumstances? Maybe you didn't ask for them, but they've got your name on them anyway. Maybe somebody gave you these troubles, but they've got your home address, and you're the one who has to deal with them. Have, Have you ever faced circumstances? Maybe you did ask for them, but they're overwhelming you. Maybe you're here today, and you are shaken up, and you don't know how you're going to find any relief. And today, the good news for us, each and every one of us, you've got troubles, i got troubles, we all got troubles. The good news for us today is that God and His great grace through Jesus Christ has sent the promise of peace to us. I, I want you to hear that promise of peace and, and we see it and hear about it in John 14. Uh, beginning in verse 26. In John 14, verse 26, Jesus is talking to us, and he'll, he, he's about to give us the promise of peace. But before he talks about the peace, he starts talking about a helper who would come. John 14, 26, but the helper, your translation may read comforter or counselor or paraclete, advisor or advocate. 
He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Here's the promise. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So as we look at this passage, I just, I just want to encourage you in this one way. The, the way we find peace is not to escape the trouble. In fact, we'll see later in this service in, in John 16, Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace, but you're going to still have trouble. Being a follower of Jesus isn't a, pre, a, a, a conflict, trouble-free life. Being a follower of Jesus is having peace in the face of the conflict and the trouble. So how do we get that peace? Well, the truth is, how do we, uh, how do we get daily peace for our daily trouble? That's what Jesus teaches us. He teaches us, I'm going to give you peace, he says, because he's going to give us his spirit. And the Holy Spirit will shake our troubles so our troubles don't shake us. The Holy Spirit, sent by Jesus to us, is going to shake our troubles so our, so our troubles don't shake us. It, it's not that we escape our troubles. I don't want you to be confused by that because we don't escape Troubles. I, I am married to my wife for life. She cannot escape her trouble, right? This side of heaven. It's not that we escape our troubles. It's that God gives us peace in the face of our troubles. He, he sends his spirit to shake our troubles so that our troubles don't shake us. Don't shake us from the very purpose that God has for us. You're here for a purpose. You're not here to be happy. You're not here to get smarter. You're not here to be more spiritual. All the little code words and whistles, that dog whistles that we have in the church about being a mature follower of Jesus. You're a mature follower of Jesus so that you can fulfill God's mission for you in this world. And that mission includes sharing the good news of his great love with people who don't know him. It's not sitting in the comfort and ease of a church facility, acting all spiritual and holy and mature, and thinking that you got it all together. That's all it takes. No, God's purpose purpose for you and for me and for we is that we would live the mission that he has given us. After all, that's what Jesus came to do. After all, that's what he sends his Holy Spirit to accomplish in us and through us. But in order for us to fulfill the mission, Jesus understood that he's got to take care of our of our, uh, uh, of our dominate, dominating thoughts and worries over the troubles that we face. And so he sends us his spirit to handle that. When he says that he's sending a helper, he's talking about the one God himself, the Holy Spirit, who helps those who belong to him when help is needed. Now you're here as a follower of Jesus and, and you've got troubles. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is ready to help. He's ready to help in such a way that he shakes the troubles away from the forefront of your life and your mind and your concern because he says, I've got these. 
As we look at this passage and and several passages here, we're going to first look at the teaching about the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives us in these verses. Then we're going to see at the promise that he provides us that shakes our troubles by his Holy Spirit. Then we're going to see the application. So first, what is the teaching? Well, if you go up to verse 14 and uh, verse six, uh, chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, um, he talks about the helper, the spirit of truth. He says, uh, John 14, verse 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That's again, parakletos is the Greek word and it means uh, comforter, counselor, advisor, uh, advocate, It means the one who helps when help is needed. He said, I'm going to give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, I want you to get this picture. See, the Holy Spirit is sent to us so that we might have the abiding presence of the living God with us and in us at all times. The Spirit of truth, the helper, is with us at all times. Whether you're at the Kinsville location, Volvo location, or Timbuktu location, it doesn't matter. If you belong to Jesus, then the Spirit of God himself abides with you and is in you. We'll talk about that more in a second. So, So he is the... One who shakes our troubles because he's with us forever. By the way, if God himself looks at your shaken up kind of... (laughs) That's as real as it gets. No, don't touch it. I don't need it anymore. If if you think that your shaken up troubles cause God any worry at all, you have failed to understand the significance of an empty tomb. Please understand, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the very power that God has made available to us in his presence in us by his Holy Spirit. You've got troubles, I've got problems, troubles, all God's children got troubles, but we've got the God of the universe uh, indwelt by the Spirit of God who gives us the power we need in the face of the troubles. Yeah, we got peace. He shakes our troubles because he's always with us. He abides with us forever. And go on and, and you see that, that he shakes our troubles not only because he abides with us forever, but because he advises us. He is the spirit of truth, which literally means he is the spirit who communicates truth. He tells us the way we ought to go. In, in verse 26 of chapter 14, we, we read, Jesus says he's going to, uh, uh, he's going to uh, teach you all things And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. 
teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. He's saying, I'm going to tell you the word of God, which reflects the will of God. And, and that will of God is going to direct you in everyday life, no matter the trouble that you face. No matter the, 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 the trouble that shakes your soul, the Holy Spirit is there to advise you. Not only is he with us forever, he advises us in the details. And even though the fog surrounding and swirling around you may, may cover you in doubt and confusion and questions, the Holy Spirit of God is the Spirit who communicates truth, who will give truth to you and me so that we can walk the path that Jesus tells us to walk, that reflects the will of God and gives us the way of God so that we can walk in the peace of God. The Spirit shakes our troubles. He is our counselor. He's the one who advises us. He's the one that convicts us when we get it wrong. I want you to see John chapter 16, verse 8. John chapter 16, verse 8. When he has come, the spirit of truth, as he's talking about here, when the spirit of truth has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So often we look, and if you are familiar with that verse at all, as, as many of you are, you know that that's talking about, or we think in those terms of, when I was separated from God by my sin, and I was eternally lost, when, when I was uh, 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 far from God and not part of his family because of my sin, the Holy Spirit of God opened my eyes to see that Jesus was the bridge that I needed, that would the one who would take me to God, the bridge that he created through his death on the cross for my sin, his resurrection from the dead uh, to give me new life. And so, because of the Holy Spirit of God who was drawing me to God, I saw my sin, I saw God's righteousness, I saw the judgment waiting for me because of my separation from God, and I came and I bowed before the foot of the cross and I begged God's mercy uh, found through faith in Jesus Christ and I was rescued. I was transformed. I didn't accept a religion at that moment. I entered into a relationship with the living God and God by his grace who rescued me from sin's grip he poured his spirit within me. So in that moment, in the immediacy of that conversion, being born again, the spirit of God took up residence with me. He convicted me of my sin. He showed me God's righteousness. And he showed me the consequences of choosing the wrong path or the right path. Okay. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's happened to you. If that's never happened to you, then you're not a follower of Jesus. I want you to hear that. I'm not talking about be, choosing to be a Methodist. I'm not talking about choosing to be a Baptist. I'm not talking about choosing to be a Pentecostal. I'm not talking about choosing some religious flavor. Like you pick a popsicle. I'm talking about encountering the living God, being confronted with your sin, and seeing that apart from God, you are hopeless in this life. And the Spirit of God opens your eyes to see you need to be born again, made brand new, become a new creation in Christ, be transformed 
by God's grace. You are a little caterpillar, and you need to become a beautiful butterfly of God's salvation. You need to be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach us about becoming more of a Baptist. It teaches us about becoming a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you experience the convicting work of the of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop his convicting work just because you become a follower of Jesus. Because there are days when I get off course. There are moments when I choose to go my own way. Even as a follower of Jesus, there are times when, when I see that the Spirit of God is guiding me into all truth and I say no to the truth in which the Spirit of God is guiding me. And so I turn to the right or I turn to the left and I take a detour uh, following after my own desires. And it's in that moment that the Spirit of God continues his convicting work, and he says, uh, Eric, you're getting it wrong. Now, listen, if you're not ever convicted of your sin, it's not because you don't have sin. It's because you've hardened your heart or you're not yet a follower of Jesus, one or the other. Either way, today needs to be a beginning new day for you where you confess and repent of sin. So here we are. Here's, here's what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God says, okay, you're going wrong. Let me get you right. Don't you love it? You need to pray today. Oh, Spirit of God, will you convict me if I'm getting it wrong? Show me where I'm going off course. All right, so, so this, is, this is the teaching about the Holy Spirit. And it's quick and it's shorthand. I don't have time to go through all of it. I could talk about John 15, 26 and John 16, 14, where, where the Spirit of God does another thing. He shows us Jesus. In John 15, 26, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and, and Jesus says, the Spirit will testify of me. When he comes, the Spirit of truth will testify of me. In, in other words, he's going to talk about Jesus. In John 16, 15 and 16, the Holy Spirit only does what Jesus tells him to do because the Spirit of God is there to point us to Jesus, to show us Jesus. John 16, 14, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit has come to glorify Jesus. So the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to continue the work of Jesus Christ. In us, through us, it gives us purpose that we didn't have. It gives us an idea of why we're here on this earth. And when we are filled with purpose, it is a lot harder for our troubles to dominate us. The Spirit shakes our troubles so our troubles don't shake us. So how, how does that work in everyday life? How does that work with my daily troubles? Whether my daily trouble is I don't get enough sleep at night or my daily trouble is I never sleep at night. How can I deal with my daily troubles? And guys, I've got to tell you, I believe that the passage that we're looking at today, the good news of God's great love applies to your sleepless nights or your uh, derailed finances or your fractured marriage or your fragile relationships. I believe that, that this truth applies in a very practical and personal way. So how does it apply? How does the Holy Spirit work in our lives so that he shakes our troubles so our troubles don't shake us? Well, again, just taking the passage that we've already looked at, the first thing that we see, this is the promise. So the first, uh, we looked at the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the promise. The promise is that in the face of our troubles, we have peace because we know that we are not alone. Oh, get this. You are not alone. John chapter 14 16, 17, and 18, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is going to be in you and with you. I'm not going to leave you an orphan. 
you are not alone. Do you know what can give you great courage and confidence in the face of the troubles that, that, that kiss you in the morning uh, and, and, and put you to bed at night? What gives you great confidence is that you are, you are not alone, but the very uh, presence of God himself is in you, with you. Look, we don't, we don't need a good idea. We, we, we need the good God of the universe. We, we don't need just some new principle. We need the God who created the principles. We don't need just some umbrella for the storm. We need the one who can stop the storm altogether. We need the God of the universe. And that is who we have. You got your troubles. I've got my troubles. But we can have peace in the midst of troubles because we know that God is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us. And by the way, he can handle it. You know, whatever your trouble is, he can handle it. Doesn't mean that he's going to take it away. Do you see that? He's not always going to take away the trouble. Sometimes he just needs to teach us, teach us to trust him in the face of the trouble. Sometimes he just wants us to ramp up our dependence upon him. He lets us walk through difficult days. Sometimes he needs to use our journey through the trouble to help somebody who is far from God find life in Jesus Christ. But regardless of how God is using it, he is using the circumstance in your life. The trouble, maybe, it, maybe you asked for it, maybe you didn't ask for the trouble, but it's got your name on it and you've got to deal with it. The Spirit of God also has your name written on his heart and he is determined to walk with you in the face of that trouble. In the face of our troubles, we are not alone. In the face of our troubles, uh, we can have peace because, secondly, we have perfect counsel. This is the Spirit of God who communicates truth. Truth is not my opinion about things. Uh, truth is not what you see on the news talk shows that that, that give you their idea of the way things ought to be or the way things should be or some hidden conspiracies that they've uncovered in their own thinking, um, that, that's not truth. And most of the time, it's not even facts. It's just opinion. When Jesus says that the Spirit who communicates truth will be in you and with you, and he'll call to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. And he will guide you into all truth. He's saying, I'm going to give you the Spirit of God who will give you perfect direction. Perfect counsel in the face of the fog. In the face, Look, one of the things troubles do, and you know this as well as I, one of the things troubles do, troubles create confusion in our thinking. It creates a chaos uh, in our own mind, and, and we don't know which way to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know, uh, we don't know how to navigate. But the Spirit of God does, and He will direct us into the right path, the path that leads us to perfect peace. We have perfect counsel. He is God Himself giving us direction on our daily life. We have perfect counsel, and we have an eternal compass. Now, this is going to John 16, 8 again, and convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's convicting me as well. 
You see, as the one who gives us truth, he's telling us this is the way you ought to go. If I get off course, if I move off of true north that leads me to perfect peace, the Spirit of God says, Eric, you're off course. You need to get back on course. Oh, that the Spirit of God would convict us consistently. Uh, By the way, this is essential for us to have peace. Can I tell you the one certainty I have about this message? I have a lot, but the one main certainty I have experientially as well as biblically, it's that the place where you will never find peace is outside of God's will. You will never have peace outside of God's will. I will never have peace outside of God's will. It doesn't matter how good you look. It doesn't matter how many Bible verses you memorize. It doesn't matter how many devotions you've written. It doesn't matter how many sermons you've preached or or life group lessons you've taught. It doesn't matter how spiritual you may think you are. If you are outside God's will, there is no peace. And so the spirit of truth Guides us into all truth, says this is God's will. And when we get off course, he says, now, Eric, you're off course. (laughs) Get back on course. And sometimes he can do it with a nudge, and sometimes he has to do it with a bulldozer. But he'll do it. Oh, God, convict me every day when I'm off course. He gives us an eternal compass. And by the way, the the, the perfect counsel and the eternal compass, they are not dependent upon the cultural norms of the day. Just because culture says A, B, or C, if the Spirit of God through the Word of God says A, B, or C is wrong, then it is wrong forever and ever and ever and ever and ever ad infinitum eternum. There will never be a day when what God calls wrong will be right in the sight of God. Ever. And that includes your gossip. It includes my slander. Not just the big sexual sins that we like to talk about and point at everybody else and say, oh, those are bad people. He's talking to you and me. It's never okay to disobey God's word. So that's the eternal compass. That's perfect counsel. Uh, We're not alone. All of these are promises that God gives us that the Holy Spirit provides for us so that in the face of our troubles, we can have peace. But ultimately and finally, we have peace in the face of our troubles because the Spirit of God gives us Jesus. We have Jesus. This is the hallmark of of the Spirit's work. The Spirit did not come to point the world to Himself. The Spirit is called the shy person of the Trinity because the Spirit sent by the Son, who was sent by the Father, has been given to us to point us to Jesus. He speaks not on His own authority, but on the authority that Jesus has given to Him. He points people not to Himself, but to Jesus. In John 15, 26, He says that the, Jesus said that the Spirit will bear witness of Jesus in John 16, 14, that that the Spirit will glorify Jesus. Everything that we need to have peace is bound up in Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit of God who abides with us forever, who dwells in us and with us, that is leading us day by day, step by step, through every maze of misery and every trial and trouble. He's leading us directly to Jesus, when we have Jesus, we have peace. 
We don't need the idea of peace. We need the good shepherd to lead us to the pastures of peace. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's given us his spirit so that we can walk in intimacy with him. And by the way, can I tell you the good news about that? You see, the good news is that when we have Jesus, we have everything we need for peace because Jesus always, always, always wins. Always. There's never a time that Jesus is defeated. No matter what troubles we might face, we can be confident that Jesus will give us the victory. He always leads us into triumph. And even when our world is shaking and quaking, we can live in the victory, the peace that Jesus offers. John 16, 33. Again, listen to what uh, Jesus says. He says these things. This is the, uh, toward the end, just before he starts praying. Um, he says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You want to live in the victory? you want to walk the path of peace, then we must yield to the Spirit of God who gives us Jesus and becomes our eternal compass and and gives us perfect counsel and and lets us know that God is with us. We, We need to walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God. So we have the promise and we've heard the teaching. Now, what's the application? What do you do with all this? Well... There are four things that I want to challenge us to do in the next few moments. As we uh, respond to the Lord at, at, at our locations, whichever location as we respond to God's call in our life, I want to challenge you to respond in four specific ways. If we're going to find peace, what do we need to do? The first thing we need to do is we need to clean the heart. We need to clean the heart. That means we need to confess and repent our sin. We will not walk in step with the Holy Spirit and find the peace that he provides in the face of our troubles if we are holding on to sin. We need to confess and repent. And in the next few moments, as we worship the Lord together, I invite you to confess and repent your sin. The second thing I want to encourage you to do, not only do we confess, uh, clean the heart, but secondly, read the book. The Holy Spirit has written a book. It's called the Bible. If we're going to be led into all truth, we need to open up the Word of God, which gives us that truth. We need to read the book. Some of us are are reading our emotions or reading tea leaves or reading um, uh, the, the, the opinions of others, but we're not opening the Word of God and listening to God speak to us by His Spirit, through His Word, you want to be led toward peace, then read the book and follow it. You've got to read the book. In the next few moments, I want to encourage you not only to, 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 in the quietness of your heart, clean the heart, but also commit to read the book. The third thing I want to encourage you to do is ask for help. You see... 
if you're anything at all like I am, and this is me, I'm not going to speak for you, but if you're anything at all like I am, one of my biggest struggles in walking in peace is that I've determined that I can get there on my own. That I can somehow figure out how to get some peace. And, and the, the problem with that is I'm not smart enough or strong enough or wise enough or mature enough or grown up enough to navigate it on my own. So I need the help that the Holy Spirit offers. I need to acknowledge my helplessness. And this needs to be a daily thing. Clean the heart. Read the book. Ask for help. Oh, Spirit of God, will you help me walk the path toward peace? Will you help me in the face of my troubles that I'm dealing with now? Oh, Lord God, will you help me? And then finally, you do the work. Do the work. Now, what I mean by that is live the mission that God's given you. John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit has come, and he bears witness to Jesus. The very next verse, John 15, 27, Jesus says, and you will bear witness for me. You know what, the, 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 what that says to me? It says, hey, listen, if we will join in the Spirit's work, if we will fulfill the purpose for which God has left us here, if we will do the work, if we will go and take these little invite cards and invite our neighbors and our friends, if we will share the good news of Jesus with those who are far from him, if I will go to my one and pray over them and pray with them and ask them and invite them to join me, then maybe, just maybe, just maybe, They might come to faith in Christ, but I can promise you, whether they do or not, as you step out of your comfort zone and step into that circle of dependence upon the Spirit of God to do the work of God for the glory of God, you will experience the purpose of God that provides the peace that Jesus offers. And it will only happen as you do the work. There are four things I want to challenge you to do, and I want you to think about them in these next few moments. I want you to think about these things and, and commit to these things. First, first, will you clean your heart? Confess your sin, repent of it. Second, will you read the book? I commit, oh God, I commit even now to read the book. Third, will you ask the Spirit of God to help you to walk in the power that He promises? And then fourth, will you do the work? Will you live the mission that God has given you? Right now, at all our locations, will you just bow your heads and let's let's take a few moments and pray. Lord God, in these moments as we have gathered here for your name's sake, I pray that you would help us hear your word and respond. I pray that you would show us the victory that can be ours over the troubles that we face and the peace that, Jesus, you offer us as we yield ourselves to your spirit and walk in spiritual power. Oh God, I pray that we would feel and understand that we're not alone because your spirit resides within us, that, that we uh, have perfect direction and, 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 a, and an eternal compass, and we have Jesus as the Spirit of God speaks to us and unveils for us the power of 
the peace that Jesus promises and the way to get it. I pray in these next few moments you would help us to look at these next few moments as extraordinary as you speak your truth to our hearts. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.